I think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, on a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Hey, they're gonna throw me out of here, fellas. You're gonna get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like, in Argentina for River Plate or Boca Juniors, or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matter look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now the Premier League is what the most exciting league out. Mike Orr, my co-host Rob Rojas, my trusted co-host Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 316 of Low Limit Football on this 14th of February, 2021. I am your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight, Bayern Munich are world champions after a 1-0 victory over Tigres at the Club World Cup. Al-Hali finishes third by beating Palmeiras on penalties. Neymar is ruled out of the Champions League this week with a groin injury. How long will he be out for? We'll discuss that. Liverpool slip up against Leicester City. As, Man as Manchester City continues their winning ways against Spurs. Are we ready to call our next European race? We'll let you know. And we'll dive deeper into the Champions League today with our very special guest, Ronald Pena, host of Samper United Podcast, will be joining us in just a little bit. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. How are you, my man? I'm doing well, Joe. I'm super excited for another good show. Obviously, we have a lot to talk about as everything heats up now, you know, with the start of the Champions League round of 16. We also have the Europa League coming back. We have some interesting races going on in all of Europe. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk about it. Yeah, you know, we've uh, you and I have been chatting quite a bit during the week about pretty much everything from Champions League on. Um, and especially these races. And, and it's amazing to see, you know, starting just as with the opening at the table in front of me. Um, it's It's really it's really almost over in England, isn't it? I would say so, but it is England after all. It is. It is. So, you know, you never know. You can, you can never rule everybody out, but they are certainly heading that way. The, the, the interesting one is really Lil. Lil uh, provisionally at the start of the recording here, uh, tied on points with PSG, a game at hand, uh, which still play this afternoon. So there, there's a lot to be played for in, uh, in, in France, for sure. Obviously, Juve slipping up, uh, Milan slipping up as well this weekend. So that, that race in Italy is going to get a little funkier, I think, as, as uh, things go on. It's just, it's just an amazing run of football here that, uh, you know, it, it, really the big one that I think we've already called is the Atleti race. And Barca, you know, doing the Apollo to Cincinnati in the third most expensive signing in MLS history at $13 million. So I have in front of me, according to Fox Sports, the list of the top 10 transfers into MLS of all times, of all time by money. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to give me all 10. I'm going to ask you for five of them. But can you give me five of the 10 most expensive MLS signings ever? I think I can do that. All right. Awesome. I'll give it to you. I'll give you the, the full list of 10 at the end of the show, of course. So let's jump into opening thoughts, which is going to really be the theme of the show here today. And that is the 
uh, Champions League returning this week with the round of 16. With a couple of matches this week, we're going to see, uh, and again, we'll have a full list of matches of the week coming up later on in the show, but we're going to kick off on Tuesday with Barcelona PSG and RB Leipzig Liverpool, and on Wednesday we'll have Porto Juve and Sevilla Dortmund. We're going to kind of stick to those four matches coming up this week as next week we'll do the other batch of matches which will include Atleti Chelsea, Lazio Bayern Munich, Atalanta Real Madrid and Gladbach City. One thing I want to mention and we'll talk about all of them is we've we had we mentioned this a couple weeks ago there was a change in venue of these particular matches really because of the pandemic and the way it's going on in England at the moment. So we've had confirmation of movement of three matches in the Champions League, and we've had a list of, of matches in the Europa League. The matches that have moved in Champions League, Leipzig-Liverpool this week will be played in um, in Budapest, and next week the Gladbach City match will be played in Budapest, and the Atleti-Chelsea match will be, will be played in Bucharest. Now that also combined with the Europa League matches that have uh, changed, changed uh, locations, Molde-Hoffenheim is going to be played in Villarreal, Real Sociedad, Manchester United is going to play, be played in Turin. Benfica Arsenal is going to be played in Rome. Wolfsburg and Tottenham Hotspur is going to be played in Budapest. And Arsenal Benfica is going to be played in uh, Piraeus, Greece. So we've got some movement there. you know. And, and this was something that you and I talked about previously. That we felt that the, the, the singular move of these venues was... Not necessarily at the spirit of competition because you're making one team play at home, even though we're not really in front of fans. And the other team, you know, the other team basically has to play two road games where one team has to play just one road game. Um, Given the way Liverpool looked this week against Leicester City, uh, Allison with another howler, which is really starting to make people question his his ability. Uh, Some have said that he's Loris Karius in disguise because of, of the mistakes he's made over the past few weeks. With the Liverpool one being moved to Budapest, really taking away the home game from Leipzig, what are your thoughts, Rob, about that, especially given the form that Liverpool are currently on? Well, absolutely. It's going to be a crucial one. I think Liverpool understand that what happened last year when they were eliminated at this stage against Atletico Madrid isn't going to happen twice. I think understanding that a lot of these players obviously have won the Champions League, I think they they know, they know deep down that they need to win this because it would save them their season. Obviously, you know, we're not going to count them out as winning the Premier League, but they are very much uh, out of the race at the moment, given the fact that all the other teams like Leicester, Manchester United, Manchester City are picking up pace. And for a team that dominated all of all of England and all of Europe just a couple of years ago, to see them at this stage right now is certainly nothing that they wanted um, to experience. And certainly if they do get eliminated by Leipzig, it would be considered a... Um, a failed um, tie in the say or a failed season, I would say. I think for Leipzig, you know, they understand that they came now to this stage after reaching the semifinal last year. Obviously, they're putting themselves in that race in the Bundesliga. We're not going to say that that league is over as well because we all know what the Bundesliga likes to offer. But with four points behind Bayern Munich, there is still time for one of them to slip. Having said that, I think Leipzig understand the the challenge that they have up there. Um, I think obviously making the semifinals last year was something that, you know, we I, I think they understand that they want that kind of similar ambition uh, this season. But it will all depend on on how they feel, because this is obviously a very attractive. You see talented players on this side with the likes of um, Poulsen. You have the likes of Umbacano as well. 
Um, you know, it's a it's a talented side. I, I think they, and obviously our American and Tyler Adams, it's a talented side. And knowing how Liverpool have been sputtering around in the last few games, you, you know, you don't really see that effectiveness from the back three, from the front three of Salah, Firmino, and Sadio Mane. You also have a defense, as you said, that is uh, spotty in a way. Allison's not becoming informed. So I think Leipzig now come into this game with a huge advantage to try to steal something, at least in the first leg, obviously in a neutral ground, for them to to um, to take advantage of the tie. I, I think it's really in their in the destiny's in their hands, I would say. And I think, you know, this this tie, even before it was announced, Joe. If you remember, even when we did this entire preview of like speaking strictly on the games itself, we knew that this game was going to be a tight one. We knew that this tie was going to be tight because of the history that these teams have had in previous games uh, in the Champions League and also what they do in their league. So I, I expect a similar type of matchup uh, heading on this Tuesday. Yeah, you know... It- one thing that's interesting about this matchup is the defensive prowess of, of RB Leipzig. And obviously with the news this morning that Dayo Pamecano is moving to Bayern Munich from RB Leipzig for, I believe it was 42 million pounds. Uh, a massive, massive move and a massive coup for Bayern Munich, taking one of the top world defenders off the charts here and, and moving him into what is already a strong defense to begin with. Uh, you know, you look back, RB Leipzig is the best defensive team right now in the Bundesliga. have only conceded 18 goals in 21 matches, and we've seen what Liverpool have been doing as of late. I mean, you can tell they miss. They, they really, really do miss Joe Gomez and Virgil van Dijk in the back. And this is a Liverpool side that's going in banged up. Uh, you know, looking at the list of injuries uh, coming in here, you've got van Dijk, Joe Gomez, Diego Jota is out uh, as well. Nabi Keita is going to be out. Uh, Joel Matip is out for the season. Fabinho is injured. You know, they're just missing so many. And and really even to the point where James Milner has taken an injury on the weekend and we'll have to see his availability uh, this week. It, the, the Leipzig side comes in rather, for the most part, rather healthy. Um, really the big miss that's going to be there is going to be Emil Forsberg. And you remember... This team, when Leipzig, when they went into the Champions League knockout stages last season, they, they went in pretty banged up uh, and pretty injured, and it, and it kind of hurt them in the end. But this time, this, they're returning quite healthy. And given the form that Liverpool's on, I know you and I both predicted Liverpool would edge out Leipzig in, in what we would think was a close match um, or a close tie. But I, I, I'm starting to feel like this could actually go the other way. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, how much, um, how different will it be, especially given the fact that Liverpool have the experience? Mm-hmm. This isn't to say that, you know, shocks aren't likely. I mean, for from a general consensus, if Leipzig were to dispose of Liverpool, it would be considered a quote-unquote shock. But now you look at all the factors that are coming in with a lot of injuries going about. Even in Leipzig's case, you know, they have Forsberg injured. They still have Stolbeside, the, their new signing. Um, injured as well. Mm-hmm. How much can that? How much can both these teams afford to to get another injury if something were to occur in the next two days? I mean, who's to say that it won't happen? But I, I still think that Liverpool could edge it out a bit. But again, I would not be surprised as well if Leipzig do go yeah, through. And and this is definitely one we're going to talk to uh, with Ron in in just a few minutes. Let's move on to the other Tuesday match, which is Barcelona PSG. Um, because the theme of the day at the moment is injuries, and this one, this match is loaded with them. Last time these two teams met, you'll remember, was the uh, the, the, ma- the the dramatic turn. Uh, PSG leading, I'm, I'm sorry, yes, yeah, PSG leading four nil 
against Barca in the first leg, only to return and have Barca score six goals on their way uh, to eliminating PSG in 2017. This this one, like I said, is loaded with injuries. Um, you, you know all the problems with Barca on the back line, missing Gerard Piquet, uh, I believe Samuel Umtiti is out, Ronald Arroyo is out as well, uh, to the point where Frankie de Jong was playing center back yesterday for them. And then you look across the other side to PSG, and PSG's missing Neymar uh, with a groin injury this week. Angel Di Maria's out. Marco Verratti's going to be out. Juan Bernat is out missing. Rafinha's injured. There is uh, there is a ton of injuries on both sides of this. I mean, ultimately, do you think do you think that they will? Um, do, do you think we'll see a different match than what we first anticipated because of all the injuries? Hundred percent. I, I think obviously the big injury that comes from both these two teams is obviously Neymar. I think he is the the main factor of what drives this uh, PSG side moving forward. That isn't to say that this side is still talented because it definitely is. When you have the likes of a Kylian Mbappe, you have the likes of a Mario Icardi, you have a Moises Keen that's on form, scoring goals. So this side is still deadly in the extent of the attack, but. You know, now as we talk, you know, just 24 hours removed of Messi scoring a brace, obviously scoring uh, a lot of goals now as of recently, as, a, as you know, that's a common thing to say nowadays. But yeah, you have that. You have someone that is in form. I think he understands now that, you know, this is kind of their final chance. And obviously, you know, the great connection that this these two teams have, obviously, from the last game that they played, the 6-1 the, um, win for Barcelona to come back 4-0 down. Uh, from Fort Nadal, sorry. Um, and obviously the, the, the rumors that come about as well from him, from Messi being tied up to to um, to PSG, it, it just makes this all more interesting and much more drama-filled. But having said that, I, I think it will still be a tight one. I don't know how much we could trust more of Barcelona's back line if they're able to, to be confident against a, a, a good uh attack that PSG have even without Neymar how much can Messi do is the one thing now we need to see look at uh, like these other players stepping up like a Trincao like a um a Ricky Pugh like an Antoine Griezmann and Ousmane Dembele those guys have to step up now because you know Messi obviously can't do everything all at once and try to save the day but I think we will definitely see a, a very interesting tie nevertheless no. even with the missing pieces yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. I, I think this because it becomes unpredictable because of the missing pieces for me, uh, you know, and, and the resurgence of Messi and what he's been doing lately, especially since that uh, the, the, since the contract was leaked uh, is really kind of the, the spark plug that's really gotten him going. But at the same time, you know, like you said, the, these teams are still multi-talented on both ends of the uh, both sides of the pitch. So this one's going to be, uh, you know, fantastic to watch. And, and we'll have to see. I think for me. If Barca's going to, right now for me, PSG is going to be the team that moves on. But if Barca's going to hold out any hope, they're going to have to really jump out early and often on this on this Neymar-less PSG side uh, if they're going to have any hope of it. And they've, they've got to find a way to keep uh, Kylian Mbappe in check. Right now, this this back line of, of Barcelona doesn't really impress me in terms of being able to keep a guy like Kylian Mbappe under wraps. So it's going to be it's going to be a tough out for them, to say the least. Uh, moving on to the Wednesday, Wednesday matches quickly, we'll have uh, FC Porto Juve coming up on Wednesday. Juve really, unim, you know, unimpressive in the final third yesterday against Napoli, losing one 0 with the penalty, the Chiellini penalty, which was was completely a legit penalty. Uh, no Arthur, no Aaron Ramsey, Paulo Dybala still out in this one, and you know Porto comes in rather healthy. 
This one is is tricky for me because Juve, although they dominated possession, it seemed like they worked well through the midfield. It looked like they were getting some guys some rest on this one, you know, specifically Weston McKinney uh, facing Napoli. Concerns me because they weren't able to put together what they needed to in the final third to beat Napoli. And it, it's concerning against a team like Porto when you've got to go to Portugal to play. It's going to have, it's going to be a tough time. So, I mean, I think I still anticipate Juve moving through here. I think this is the match they wanted in the round of 16. But it's something that Andrea Pirlo really hasn't gotten them going all in the right direction all at the same time just yet. And sometimes you see brilliances, moments of brilliance, and sometimes you don't. And I think in this one, they're going to have to really, you know, pull it out to to have any hope of moving on through the second leg. How about you, uh, Rob? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think obviously Juve understand that they don't want a similar situation that happened last season where they got eliminated by Lyon in a tie where, you know, everyone picked them as the favorites to move on. They don't want deja vu again. I think they understand that even with a with a talented side that it would be too good enough to escape the um to get eliminated from the Champions League. Now the obligation is more to them. Can that pressure get to them? It might. But at the same time, I think they understand the responsibility that they cannot afford to lose any of this. They need to take the the initiative and, and get a a comfortable win over there in, in Portugal because anything less, even if it's a draw, would make this tie even more um Harder than it is, honestly. So I think Juve need to go in there and be convinced yeah. from the get-go. It can't be anything less than that. I agree. I agree. Road goal, road goal is, is really the order of the day for Juve in this one uh, when they move to the second leg. So last one, which which is sure to impress, or at least you would think so on paper, Sevilla, uh, Borussia Dortmund. Um, Dortmund has been a little unimpressive as of late. Their current run of form sees them sitting, I believe, it's sixth in the in the Bundesliga. They've only won one of their last five matches. They uh, end up drawing on the weekend to Hoffenheim, whereas you go to Sevilla. Sevilla have been incredibly impressive over the past few weeks. Uh, adding Papu Gomez has sparked the offense a little bit for them. They showed up with a 1-0 victory over Huesca on the weekend. And uh, and currently sit fourth and, and on a great run of form. You, you know, it, it's funny because we talk about Real Madrid and Barcelona, but Sevilla is only one point back of them. And I know we, we've talked about Atleti already pretty much winning the league. But this Sevilla side is, I think, catching a Dortmund side in disarray right now. There are quite a few uh, injuries on the Dortmund side between Axel Witzel, Jorgen Hazard, um, Thomas Munir, Roman Berkey, the goalkeeper, is out as well. Lucas Pichek's out. So there is a bunch of injuries on this uh, Dortmund side where Sevilla come in rather healthy um, and playing on uh, on, on all, uh, all cylinders here. Lopetegui's got them going in the right direction. What are your thoughts on the way this one shakes out? This is going to be a really interesting tie. I think it might be the most attractive tie after the um, Barcelona um, PSG one. I think this is these are two sides that play similarly. I think they understand their obligation as to what they want to achieve. I mean, Dortmund obviously want to get that hump out of um, out of out of them to you know go further in the Champions League. Sevilla, after winning so many Europa leagues, want to now replicate that into the actual Champions League. So I'm really excited for this one. I think yeah, I agree. I think Sevilla need to understand that with their consistent form in the league and what Lopetegui's been doing with them, that they have to take advantage against a really inconsistent Borussia Dortmund side that, yes, is talented on paper when you have the likes of a Jadon Sancho and Erling Haaland and, and many other players. But, you know, when we see them on the pitch, it just doesn't look as convincing as one would think. I think Sevilla have to put that into perspective and know that they have 
they really kind of have the obligation to win at this point because obviously, you know, winning the, the second tier European competition gives them a much more chip on their shoulder. So um, I, I see them as favorites, honestly. I think we said Dortmund were favorites only slightly. I think I'm ready to change my mind on this one. I think Sevilla are the favorites in this one because they've just been playing so well lately. And they have the the talent with the likes of Papu Gomez. Unfortunately, they're not going to see Lucas Ocampos on that side, but they still have the likes of El Nazari. They have Ivan Rakitic. You know, they have a ton of players uh, at the disposal that can perform at, at the highest level. So um, I, I think Sevilla have moved, in my perspective at least, as favorites for this tie. I agree. Let me uh, let's let's press pause on our conversation here for a moment and let's get our guests in here because I know Ronald is is ready to join us and we can further our, our Champions League discussion. So without further ado, the the Ronald Pena interview. And joining us now on Low Limit Football, co-founder of Parcedos United, Ronald Pena. Ronald, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. And before we jump back into our Champions League discussion, I want to ask you about Atlanta United. I know you do a lot of work covering Atlanta United, um, being part of Semper United as well. So I'd like your thoughts on what you expect out of Atlanta United this season, given the return of Joseph Martinez, given some of the big signings that they've made. They also have a new head coach. Um, so what are your thoughts and expectations of Atlanta United this season? Yeah, what's up, Joe? What's up, Roberto? Thank you for having me on. Very excited to be on. Um, Atlanta, it's uh, a lot of big moves, big changes happening in uh, in Atlanta. Obviously, we got the signing with Heinze. Uh, he's, it's a signing that makes sense, you know, with Frank DeBoer, it, he came in, uh, after Tata and he came into a squad that was already built. It was a championship winning squad and that, you know, had already won whatever they needed to win. And he came in, didn't really make sense. Uh, Atlanta had its plan to be an IX type team with, uh, implementing youth, their youth system, whatever. It didn't really work out. Now you have Heinze, who's this, um, we're going back to Argentina to find a coach. And Heinze makes sense because he's, he's a Bielsa disciple as well as uh, how Tata was. So it, it, it's, it's exciting because there are a lot of changes in the squad. There aren't really many expectations. It's, I think it's very similar, or fans feel similar to how they felt in 2017 with the initial season. Um, you know, you have big signings coming in. You have uh, Santiago Sosa, the 21-year-old Argentinian, uh, six from River Plate. You have the return of Joseph Martinez, who we don't know really if he's going to return to 100%. That's his goal-scoring ways that he was in, in, in 2018, 2019. But it, it, it's an excitement that, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited to see Atlanta play to something again, to to play football, to you know, always be on the front foot. That's what I guess we can expect a better play style than we, we saw with Frank Moore. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's like you said, going kind of going back to the, for lack of a better term, old school, right. And with Gabriel Heinze, like you said, a, a Bielsa disciple. Um, do you, but Heinze as a player was, was a very, very gritty player and i'm wondering if that grit will translate over to this atlanta united side or do you think we'll see more of the old tata style uh team right uh you know i think most south american uh coaches have that style that grit that um how we call it in in south america garra it, i think we'll see that i think we'll see that um 
really, I'm I'm a little bit bummed out that we didn't uh, we couldn't keep Franco Escobar, who said um, Heinze was one of his uh, idols in, in in football. Yeah, he's back in at New Old Boys. But um, as you said, uh, Heinze was a very gritty player. He, he was a, a badass, I guess you could say. And I think we'll see that 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 style. But also, I think Atlanta United needs to go back to its um, its ways of playing, you know, beautiful football of, of always being on the front foot of attacking with, you know, six, seven players. And um, I think we'll see that with Heinze. Yes. Yeah, definitely going to be some fun stuff uh, to watch as that develops this season. Let's uh, let's jump back into the Champions League. Uh, and Roberto and I were just talking about all four matches as we gave a quick little rundown of them. And I want to dive a little deeper into the RB Leipzig-Liverpool match with you just for a second. Uh, one thing I would mentioned is that this is one of the matches that was moved uh, for UEFA for, for pandemic reasons. Uh, both teams coming into this, RB Leipzig really the, the better defensive side at the moment, really the best defensive side in Germany, believe it or not. Liverpool come in uh, a bit of a mess. Uh, there's a lot of, of of issues there. There are a lot of injuries. There's a lot of distraction with Liverpool right now. And when we first picked this match, you know, way back in December when these groups were de- where these matches were decided, we had thought Liverpool would be the team to move through. But now we're kind of leaning a little more towards Leipzig. However, the, the news this morning that Dio Pomacano will be moving on uh, June, uh, June 1st to Bayern Munich, there may be a little bit of a distraction there where we didn't have that previously. So I'd like your thoughts on this match, both how out of form Liverpool is right now, how in form Leipzig is, and how the distraction of the Opamecano uh, transfer could affect the way they play. You know, I think the, the transfer won't really play a part. These guys are professionals. They... You know, they play out their contracts, and it's a Champions League match. You know, although they're not playing at home, I think Leipzig, it will be the favorite just because of the tremendous form they're in and the tremendously bad form Liverpool's in. You know, we saw that the last few matches, I mean, uh, Leicester City and then Manchester City, Liverpool is not the same Liverpool we saw last year or even the season. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it'll be a really interesting tie, and I can't wait for, for to see what happens. But looking at the other game, I think this is the one that probably is the most attractive one out of all of the ties, uh, Ron, and that's obviously Barcelona-PSG. Obviously, as we know, the last time that both these guys faced, you know, was the famous 6-1 win for Barcelona against PSG after they were down 4-0 in the first leg. I think a lot has to be said as well for Lionel Messi, you know, a player that obviously has gotten... So much controversy as well with the with this contract leak, with the fact that he wanted to leave last summer, possibly looking into a situation, you know, kind of a, a last dance situation of him leaving the club after the end of this season, meaning that he still wants to get one more title before he does um, takes his takes his talent somewhere. One of those teams that were rumored that that could afford him could indeed be PSG. But having said that, Ron, looking at all the teams. And looking, looking at both of them in terms of how they go into this game, Neymar is going to be out for PSG. You know, you still, but you still have the likes of a Kylian Mbappe. You still have the likes of a Nicardi and Moises Kean um, contributing. With Barcelona, it's almost the case of what's going to happen if, um, if Messi doesn't show up as well as he does usually, and, and now puts the pressure on all the other players like a Braithwaite, like a sorry, like a Griezmann, like a Dembele, and all the other players. How do you assess this tie, and you know, where do you feel as if the team, which of these two teams, have more of an advantage before their encounter? 
This is a tough one, even though, you know, Barcelona's had their ups and downs. It is, um, they are one of the teams with hierarchy in, in that continent. Um, you know, we saw yesterday um, they played um, Alaves. One, it was a 5-1 win for Barcelona. Trincao with two goals, Messi with two goals. Uh, I, I don't know how to assess this Barca because you have the game like we saw with uh, Alaves and then we saw and then we see games like uh, we saw against Sevilla where they make uh, you know elementary school mistakes so it's it's tough I, I think I'll give the upper edge to uh, Paris Saint-Germain just even with without Neymar just because they are consistently good um, you don't Barcelona is kind of like the surprise you, you don't know what to expect from them Paris you know you have the likes of Icardi, you have Mbappe, and although Neymar isn't in, isn't going to be um, available, I think um, PSG does have the upper upper hand, even though they are playing at the Camp Nou in in Barcelona. Yeah, it's kind of weird to say that where you look into a tie that Barcelona aren't favorites given their history in this competition. I think it makes sense given that PSG are a side that also um, have went to the Champions League final last season. Obviously, have kept a lot of their major players that were instrumental in that case. You don't know what to expect from Barcelona side, which one will turn up. Um, the one that we saw in Alaves or the one that we've seen uh, inconsistently all this season. So again, it's going to be a really interesting tie. It can, it can go either way. And another tie that I can, that can go another way, any other way, is Sevilla Dortmund. I mean, Ron, th- this is a tie that, you know, initially when we made the predictions with Joe and I, well, when they were announced, that we were thinking that Dortmund were going to be the favorites on this one because of the talent that they have in the likes of a Jaden Sancho and Erling Haaland. Now we look at a team that's been that sacked their coach, that's completely inconsistent um, in the Bundesliga, and with Sevilla, who have been flourishing under Lopetegui, or putting themselves in that race for La Liga. Obviously, they want to return silverware after winning the Europa League last season. Would you say that Sevilla have the upper hand against Dortmund in this tie? And what, what do you feel about it? Yeah, definitely Sevilla all the way. Um, Dortmund, we saw they're going through through a mess right now. Sevilla, on the other hand, they, they're on a little bit of a winning streak in La Liga, um, even with the uh, with the arrival of uh, Papu Gomez, especially with the uh, arrival of Papu Gomez. Um, you know, he's give, giving uh, Sevilla another creative aspect in in, in their attack. So, um, what Sevilla are building is very interesting, and I think they can. You know they're competing in in the Copa del Rey. I think they're they're also um, one of the favorites for for that competition. You know they have the upper hand on on Barcelona, um, and and here on Champions League too, Sevilla. I think will have the upper hand um, now playing in 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 Sevilla. Now, Ron, I'm going to jump back in here just to get the last uh, matchup that we haven't discussed yet. And that is the Porto-Juventus matchup. Uh, Juve currently trying to battle for that Serie A title. They are moving on into the Coppa Italia final. Um, They are now facing a Porto side that is seven points back of sporting in in the Portuguese uh, Primera Division. And Juve have not been... They've been a little inconsistent as of late. There are moments when they look great, and then there are moments like this weekend against Napoli where they just couldn't get it done in the final third. There was, you know, they, they controlled much of the midfield, but that was about it. They didn't really create anything off of that. Uh, it's a little concerning given that Porto uh, can be a, a difficult side to get by, but Porto's lack of run of form, they've only drawn their last three matches, uh, maybe bodes well for Juve. And 
well, you know, what do you what do you anticipate in this one? And like Roberto and I just said before you came on that road goals are 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 of the essence here. I think in this matchup, if you get you, they can come away with a road goal or two, then I think it really bodes well for them. But if they come up dry in, in uh, Portugal, then I think it's going to be a, a tough road for the second leg for them. So what are your thoughts on this matchup overall? Yeah, I think uh, Juve, I think if you, if you look at this game on paper, Juve is the, the clear favorite favorites. Um, but I don't know if, if Juve might consider resting some players. Uh, you know, they're they're playing in other competitions, and I think uh, you know they're they're in the final of the the Coppa Italia against. I think they're playing uh, at Atalanta, and then they're t- uh, fighting for for the Serie A title. Um, I don't know if they're they'll consider resting anyone. You know, especially playing Porto. Uh, but Porto has you know individual players who can surprise. Um, Colombian Luis Diaz um, from La Guajira, Colombia. He is one of those players who has shown up in big games for Porto, though uh, not as consistent as as Porto would like. He has shown up. He scored against Manchester City, Manchester City in the the Champions League in the group stages. Um, Golasso. He, he's one of those players who can, you know, in the blink of an eye, he can turn a, turn tie upside down, and. Um, no, Juventus has Cuadrado, who unfortunately went down. Uh, last game had to be subbed in, in in at halftime. So I don't know if he's an important piece to that to that attack. So I don't know if um, he was going to be able to play, but I, I still give the the advantage to Juventus just because they have that hierarchy in in, in the Champions League and in, in UEFA, and Porto is just a, a smaller team. So. You know, going back, and we'd like to get you on the record here, like like we do all our guests, and and looking back at these four matchups, uh, who do you think will advance in them? Right? Let's start with uh, Barca PSG. Who do you think advances there? Uh, Paris, Paris Saint Germain. Um, and how about the RB Leipzig Liverpool one? I'll say Leipzig. I'll say Leipzig because I'm not the biggest fan of Liverpool. <laughs> that is that is going to be an impressive one for sure. Uh, Sevilla Dortmund uh, going to be the tough one to to predict, I think. I'll say Sevilla. Yeah, and lastly, Juve uh, Porto. I'll say Juve. Juve as well. So, Ron, before we let you go, where can everyone find your work? Yeah, you guys can follow me at Parceros United on all platforms. We're on TikTok. We're on uh, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever, literally anything. And my personal is Ronald Penn underscore A on on everything as well. So. Follow me on there. Follow Parceros and nothing. Uh, thank you for for having me on. Enjoy my time here. Thank you, Roberto. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, everyone listening. And um, see you guys. Fantastic stuff. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you back soon. All right. Thank you. And thanks again to Ronald Pena for joining us on the show. Roberto, we've got some great matches of the week coming up this week, including what is basically I'm going to call Derby Weekend because there's some crazy matchups coming up this weekend. Of course, we've mentioned Tuesday, Barca PSG and Leipzig Liverpool at 3 p.m. Wednesday, we have Porto Juve and Sevilla Dortmund at 3 p.m. in the Champions League. On Thursday, we have Lille Ajax is the big one, uh, 3 p.m. in the Europa League. Then on Saturday, we have Elche Ibar at 8 a.m. to kick off your weekend. That is a, a relegation battle in La Liga coming up with uh, two teams towards the bottom of the table. But then it is truly 
Derby uh, Day and Derby Week. We're going to start with Liverpool Everton, 12.30 p.m. And if you don't like the English version of the Derby, you can move over to Germany because at the same time, Schalke Dortmund kick off at 12.30 p.m. And on Sunday, we have the Milan Derby, Milan Inter at 9 a.m. And the last one, the big one, PSG Monaco in France at 3 p.m. as well. Some great, great matches coming up this weekend. Let me give you the trivia question again so that we can get uh, ourselves an answer here. So, uh, Brenner moved from Sao Paulo to FC Cincinnati uh, for $13 million, the third most expensive transfer of all time in MLS. I have the list of me in front of me of the top 10 transfers uh, in MLS, uh, moving into MLS. And um, I'm not going to ask for you for all 10, but if you can give me five more in addition to the Brenner move, uh, we'll call it a trivia answer. Well, I guess I'll use the Atlanta United connection that we have with Ron, and, and I think you named one of them, actually, as my first guest. So I'm going to pick Joseph Martinez to make that list. Actually, Joseph Martinez is not on this list, but the top, okay. but the top two most expensive ones are both for Atlanta United. Okay, so I think that makes it much easier. So mm-hmm. one that I wanted to put in is P.T. Martinez. The top transfer of all time, $15.95 million. And I think the the other one if i'm not mistaken is ezekiel barco the second most expensive transfer in mls history at 13.5 million dollars and now you have brenner at three so keep on going if you want to give me three more i don't know if i can go in order but i'm going to go with another atlanta united name i'm going to pick miguel miron there are actually no more atlanta united names on this list okay uh i am going to go for chicharito Chicharito Javier Hernandez is ninth on this list from Sevilla to the LA Galaxy for $9.4 million. All right. And the last one that I'm going to give you is. This is going to be a good one. There's been so many. I'm just trying to think. What's one that stands out? It's not Ibra, is it? Ibra's not on this list. In fact, if I remember correctly, Ibra came over on a free. Free. That's right. Uh, Carlos Vela? That's my last choice. Carlos Vela is not on this list either. Um, I'll go. I'll give you one more crack at it, and then I'll give you the top ten. Sure, no problem. Uh, I am going to pick. I don't. I don't feel confident on this one, but I'm going to try. Uh, Rodolfo Pizarro is fourth on this list from Monterrey to Miami for twelve million dollars. The top ten goes as this: from tenth to one, uh, Matias Pellegrini from Estudiantes to Miami. million. Chicharito, you had mentioned Sevilla to Galaxy for $9.4 million. Alan Pulido moved from Chivas to Sporting KC for $9.9 million. Brian Fernandez moved from Necaja to Portland for $9.9 million. And another $9.9 million man, the MVP, Alejandro Pozuelo, moved from Gank to Toronto FC. Then we have Brian Rodriguez in at $11.5 million from Peñarol to LAFC. Uh, Rodolfo Pizarro, who you had mentioned, is number four. Brenner, we had opened with, is number three. Ezekiel Barco, number two at $13.5 million, And the top most expensive MLS signing in history, P.T. Martinez from River Plate to Atlanta United, $15.95 million. So, without anything left on the docket, my friend, let's hit the closing music. Let's do it. All right, here we go. So, for episode 316 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Ronald Pena for joining us next week. We'll look at the second back of batch of matches for the Champions League. We'll talk about how Derby Weekend went and give you all the latest transfer news and information from around the soccer world. So, for episode 316 of Low Limit Football, I am Joe Ucello. I am Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night. Good night.